This is the Horse Radio Network. I am Coach Jen in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Wendy Ying from Sarasota, Florida. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 1st, 2020. Episode 2531. This episode is brought to you by ProStride and American Driving Society. Good morning, Horse World. get to be with Wendy. Ha ha ha. I love doing Yay. this. I love doing the show with you because I get to pick the veterinarian's brains. <laughs> I know. We have so much fun. And and it's fun for me because somebody's actually listening. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn's not going to listen to this show. He won't know you said that. What's coming up today, by the way? Oh, we have an exciting show. We have FEI single driver Taylor Bradish. Uh, she's on the road to the world championships for singles with her horse, Katie did Duchess. On Carriages 101 with Kathleen Hake, we talk about bits, which is always a fun topic. And then Kitty Cadwell is going to help us learn the new dressage test in her Tremont training session. And we have Dr. Tom Hutchins from Texas, and he's sharing his experience with ProStride to keep our horses and pets feeling great. Plus, we have a great TCVM segment where we talk all about tweena bodywork. It's not just touchy-feely. So listen in. Da-da-da. Can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I don't get to do the, the driving show very often, which is probably just as well because it takes us three times as long to tape it or record it because I ask you a million and one questions. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> now that autumn is very nearly here in most of the United States, um, are you... Is there anything that is like an autumn ritual in your horse care and horse management pattern that happens this time of year? Well, you know, autumn is the time if you uh, have a chubby older pony that we have to worry about uh, chronic laminitis, uh -oh. right? Because we're seeing more and more equine metabolic syndrome and Cushing's disease. And that all relates to their blood sugar levels. It's kind of like a type 2 diabetic and with horses, a lot of times we see this in the fall. I mean, we see it in the spring also, but in the fall, in certain areas, uh, like for us in Florida, our grass, you can't even keep up with it right now. No. Right? Because it's raining so much. Yeah. So in Florida, this is when our grass really gets going and has a lot of sugar. In northern regions, a lot of times when the frost gets on the grass, it has a higher sugar content, and that can push some horses over the edge. And also, horses are seasonal animals, so in the fall, they uh, tend to have higher levels of hormones. Like, their hair is supposed to get longer in the fall, mm -hmm. right? That, yeah. That's a normal mechanism. Yeah. Um, so we have to worry about laminitis with those kind of horses in the fall. And one of the things that we do in my practice is we use a herbal formula called hot hoof. And what it does is it, uh, laminitis is stagnation of chi and blood in the feet, right? Is, mm -hmm. and so it's pain in the feet and we want to decrease the pain and help the circulation in the feet. So it has herbal ingredients that can help do that with release, uh, move the chi in the blood. And there are lots of herbs that we talk about all the time, like Hongkwa, which is safflower, chow ren, which is peach kernel, 
Dangue, which is Angelica, and that's the woman's ginseng. That's one of the top herbs that we use in a lot of formulas. And Mao Ya, which is myrrh, right? So frankincense and myrrh. Remember in the old days they yeah, had frankincense yeah, yeah, yeah. and myrrh. Remembering my so Christmas hymns, yeah. Yeah. And myrrh we can use internally and also externally. It's a resin that you can use. Um, also, this formula has an herb called Yan Hu So which is a herb that is in the poppy family. And it has, uh, so that's where morphine comes from. Morphine comes from the opium poppy and compounds from this plant have actually been isolated and they made them into synthetic opioid alternatives for pain relief in people. Huh? Interesting. So this time of year, um, hormones may be increasing in your horse because it's same change of seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, Grazing conditions are liable to be changing, which are liable to be causing issues with horses right. with our that have sensitivity to sugars. Yeah. So you need to keep an eye on your horse, check his feet regularly, and yeah. if you have a horse that gets hot feet or has Cushing's or equine metabolic symptoms, you need to check into hot hoof. And where are they going to find hot hoof? They can find it at drwendying.com and then just put in hot hoof in the search. Bar. There we go. And is it hoof or hoof? I say hoof, but I know you say hoof. <laughs> but it's spelled the same, so but it doesn't matter. But it's spelled matter. the same. There you go. <laughs> well, that, that fascinating stuff. I didn't know that about all of the myrrh. Now I have to look up myrrh. But uh, before we take too long, we need to get a hold of Kathleen Hake, and we're going to chat a little bit about bits, a hot topic. Well, it's time for Carriage Driving 101 with Kathleen Hake from the CAA. Hi, Kathleen. Welcome Hi, back. Wendy. Nice to be back. It's exciting to, to finally be able to get out a little bit and, <laughs> and uh, showing is back underway here at the Kentucky Horse Park. And so it's nice to start seeing horses again. Yes. So while we are talking about COVID, though, and we're stuck at home, this is a great time to work on your CAA driver proficiency. And, oh, that's, and that's true. Yeah. That's a great time because you're stuck there. You can study, do all kinds of stuff. Yes. And uh, that's kind of how I ended up starting. And the proficiency is I had a brand new horse and he wasn't quite ready to show. So that year we did everything we needed to do to get our proficiency underway. And um, particularly for the level two, there's a little bit of paperwork. You have to create a portfolio. Mm-hmm. of activity and level one you can drive with um you're you're making sure that you're harnessing correctly that you know how to balance a cart that type of thing which we've we've talked about before on the program but level two ramps it up a little bit and um you do not have to drive a pair but you can there is a, a se- session for that mm-hmm. um but both you and i have achieved this level mm-hmm. um there's still not a lot of people that have, so we're in a little bit of a rare category. Uh, but one of the things that I would like to talk about today is the fact that when you go for your level two, you need to know about driving bits and their functions. And that, that is sometimes hard. Um, That's true. Because there's so many and they're so are. different from riding. Yes, exactly. And in this October edition of the Carriage Journal, which is a magazine that we put out five times a year, there is an article on bits, bits and more bits. (laughs) And uh, actually, in this particular session, we talked a lot about cheeks. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So not so much about the mouthpieces that go actually in the horse's mouth, but about the cheeks and how uh, they work with a bit and that type of thing. And um, so most horses, or excuse me, I'm not going to say most horses, most turnouts go in a Liverpool bit. And the reason why is because this is a very traditional driving bit and it signals that you have options to the judges and trainers and that you can adapt to your horse's needs from day to day. So, so tell us what that, that cheek piece looks like. Right. So a Liverpool um, can can look a little different from time to time. Um, <laughs> so the top, which attaches to the bridle, mm -hmm. is the purchase. And then it comes down and around. And usually it looks a little bit like a circle with um, the bit going continuing down. Um, and that circle can be a rain area. And mm -hmm. so that is called the plain cheek. If you go around the post that goes down the middle of that circle that the bit is connected to, that's called a rough cheek. And as you come down, this particular, um, type of bit cheek has, um, a shank and you can have multiple slots on them. Most of the time, it's either two or three. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about if you have two. So we're going to call the, the top slot the middle slot. And then the bottom slot is the bottom slot. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very practical terminology there. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're talking about this Liverpool and having um, this type of action, the plain cheek, the curb action is not engaged. The rain simply pulls the bit back and up. Mm -hmm. With the rough cheek, you get a little bit more curb action in engaged and the rain pulls the bit back because it is around the post that the bit is attached to. Mm -hmm. With the middle bit, or the, excuse me, the middle slot, we start engaging pole pressure. Pole pressure and curb pressure is applied when the rain pulls the bit down, putting pressure on the tongue and lower jaw. Well, the bottom slot exerts the minimum maximum pull and curb pressure available. So if you have a horse that normally goes beautifully and today it's, you know, 55 degrees out and he's really kind of acting a little spooky, maybe you have to drop down to that middle slot to have a little bit more control. On the next, the next day, he's, he's like, oh, I remember my brain. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I can go just as good as I ever do. And so you go back up to that plain cheek. And that's what they're talking about when they talk about having options. Mm -hmm. And so it's an all-in-one type cheek. Um, and David Saunders, who we've had on this program before, he was recently at a CAA learning weekend. And he said that his stated or his uh, preference bit for young horses is a sliding action swivel cheek Liverpool. And that way, if a horse gets nervous and wants to suck on the bit, the sliding action will allow them to do that without significantly affecting the reins mm -hmm. control. Well, having a curb action bit, you are asking for the head to come down and in. The pole pressure asks for the down and the curb chain asks for the in. So again, this is probably the most common driving bit out there. Now, there are other um, curb cheek pieces um, the military cheek is one that we see um, somewhat often because we, it's sometimes called an elbow bit. Um, 
we see them in the British Army, and mm-hmm. uh, that's where they come in with the military. And uh, it's if you have a horse that chews on its lines while you're trying to drive, that's the bit of uh, the cheek. Oh, piece I you. always wondered why it had that little elbow in it. I didn't understand why. Yes, they that. can't reach over and grab I it. I didn't is, know. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the things that you learn. Um, <laughs> it's always so so interesting, and um, so that's one thing that it, the action is very similar to a Liverpool. And again, just like the Liverpool, it's available in a variety of mouthpieces. It's the outside that cheek piece that that yeah. um, is is changing, and that's all that it is. And so this literally comes out at an angle, and it looks like an elbow, which is why it's called an elbow yeah. bit, and uh, it just keeps your horse from being able to chew on its lines and uh, which is great so what about sometimes on the liverpool you see like this metal piece on the bottom that connects the two shanks what is that so that's the bar and you will see that with usually with a pair or multiples Mm -hmm. because one of the things that can happen is that as you're driving a multiple which means more than one horse Sometimes they get a little too friendly and one neighbor puts his head over on the other horse and says hi. And in the process, he clips his, the other horse's rein to his bit, which is not good when he takes his head back. <laughs> <laughs> and so having that bar there stops that um, those shanks on the, that bit from getting hooked. Mm-hmm. Now, the bad thing that can happen is that... Um, interesting creatures that they are horses will sometimes get caught in odd things and so we want to make sure that uh they don't somehow put their head down and get caught on the pole or on a snap somewhere for a single um and so particularly with the combined driving you will sometimes Mm -hmm. see a rubber or piece of hose on the shakes of the bit and that's what that's doing it's acting as a protector so that the the shanks can't get caught on the other horse's lines, but yet it's if the horse does somehow get it, because that's what they do, uh, they get it hooked <laughs> on a pole or something, um, it will pop off and you won't get in trouble. So yeah. it's a double safety f- feature there. And uh, that's kind of nice. Now, when I was working on this article, I really had to um, talk to a lot of people because there's a lot of different opinions on bits. And there's, Bits that have changed their names throughout mm-hmm. history, including yeah. the post bit, which we more likely know as a butterfly bit. Mm-hmm. And the sides of it look like butterfly wings is the best way to describe it. Um, the Instead of being like the Liverpool, which is one straight piece, uh, it the purchases um, comes down. And it just kind of goes into this big loop on the bottom with a little loop where the uh, mouthpiece is. And a lot of people with smaller equines, the VSEs, have said that they get a letter, a little bit better line of contact with this type of bit than they might with a Liverpool. And you're going, well, what's the line of contact? So the line of contact goes from your horse's mouth back to the collar to the into the um, saddle and then mm-hmm. back to your hands, and so you really want that to be as straight as and unbroken as it can be, because when you break it by either having a vehicle that's really too tall or too low, or having 
um, your collar tear it's in the wrong spot, mm-hmm. you don't get as good contact in communication with your horse. So if um, that's one of the things that people have noted with this butterfly um, cheek is that uh, particularly for the little guys, that that's something to, to give them a little bit better angle and, and just let them drive a little bit easier. Yeah, that's interesting because you do see the those butterfly bits on the smaller guys. And I never knew exactly why they preferred that. But that's interesting. Yeah, when, I mean, and again, it's one of those things where at this point I've had a month to think about it. But when yeah. you really start thinking about angles, you can see how that would be. Now, mm-hmm. as with everything, there's some safety considerations. And that is that you want to make sure that the rings in the butterfly cheek are uh, small enough that you can't somehow get a shaft um, tip hooked in there. Yeah, um, that'd be bad. Because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so those are a couple of the more common um, curb cheek pieces. And we'll switch over real quick to the snaffle cheek pieces. Um, snaffle bits, of course, we see in riding and driving. Um, and one of the things that happens is sometimes is people get confused about um why a loose ring snaffle is not as popular as maybe they think that should be Mm -hmm. and which ones are and aren't driving bits. So one of the safety things with a loose ring snaffle is similar to the butterfly is that you need to make sure that the ring is sized so that a um, tip of a shaft cannot get hooked in it. And Mm -hmm. this is where that whole thing You hear all these myths about um, a bit being pulled through a horse's mouth. Yeah. And and that's where that comes from. And that's why we like the full full shake um, type type bits um, because that can't happen. But that's that's where you hear about it. So it's a safety consideration. Um, Although with the bigger ring, um, it covers more of an area of a cheek. And sometimes it's helpful when you're trying to put a a nice turn on a horse. and so, um, you know, we definitely see them and we definitely use them. You just need to know what you're, what to look out for, I guess yeah. is the way to phrase that. And then one of the things that I did with this particular article, which I've not seen done, and I, I've quite frankly found it interesting, was that I put some of the riding bits up against um, a driving bit. So you can really see the difference between like a loose ri- ring snaffle the size of the bit the diameter of the bit mm-hmm. versus like a bradoon versus like an overhead cheek or overhead check bar bit yeah and so oh, they really good. get smaller you're yeah. likely to find them like if you're buying a used harness and you get a bit and you don't really know what it is um <laughs> i have seen it happen where somebody has something that's not meant to be a bit that goes by itself which would be like an overhead check bit um, driving that way. And uh, it's one of those things where if, if you're coming into driving without any help, you just wouldn't know. And so we went ahead and put that in this time. And um, then we talked about uh, these hanging cheek bits, which I might mispronounce this word is voucher, I think. Oh yeah. 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 They're really making a, a move over, from the dressage world as we become more and more competitive in driven dressage. And they're really interesting because the cheek combines with the short purchase on a small ring for a moderate amount of pole pressure 
with very precise mouth pressure. Mm-hmm. And um, although we didn't go into bits themselves in this particular article, um, I was able to borrow some bits and you can really see the difference in this um, because they want to hold the a bit in a certain way. And so if you put a 45 degree lozenge in there mm-hmm. versus like a French link versus like right. a dog bone, like you can really see the difference in how they work and what they put pressure on and why they may or may not be the right thing for your horse, Yeah, which until you hold them in your hand, like you, you just don't really see that in a, um, um, in a book or, you know, I mean, you, you just don't get to see it. And uh, if you get a chance to to go to a um, tack shop, a, a driving harness shop, and check out bits, it's really worth your time, I think, to hold them in your hand. Or like if you go to the National Drive, and uh, one of the vendors is there, where you can actually drive in a bit for a day or two. And then, you know, you can always, you know, with most bit makers, they'll let you... Um, take it for a week and then be able to return it or whatever. But it's really nice if you can um, cut out the, the whole shipping time, which takes a while yeah. and at something like the national drive and, and just try it right then and there. Um, you know, Kathleen, we've had uh, Linda Evans who's in Florida. She runs bit go round mm-hmm. and it's a great service because she sells used equipment and mm. so she has a ton of used bits driving and riding. So it, driving bits tend to be so expensive, you know? So this way, if she has a used one, she sends it to you and you can try it. Like you're saying, you can take it on trial. And I really recommend that. And I think, you know, when you were saying, oh, you know, people have all these different uh, ideas about bits. I think the best thing that can educate you about bits is if you have a horse that's kind of sensitive and a little bit of a brat, right? Because if you have one that just goes in any bit, you don't learn it. You're like, okay, well. Yes, you're very lucky. (laughs) Yeah. You're very, but, very lucky. But yeah. it's it's funny because you look up on those walls and you see all these bits. And you're like, if you've never had a bratty horse, you're like, why would you need all these different bits? But if you have a bratty horse, you look up there and you're like, oh, my God, will this solve my problem? Right. And you've gone through yes. all of them. And even with a horse that's a good horse that that doesn't need a lot. Mm-hmm. If you're asking them to continue on their training, they mm-hmm. may need a different bit. It right. may be you're saying, well, you know, I'm not quite getting that extended trot or something. Mm-hmm. And while it may not be the answer to everything, yeah. <laughs> but it you may be worth your time to try a different bit and see. Because if you yeah. don't try, it, like just like you're saying, if you don't try something, you don't learn. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that that's a real um, issue in carriage driving is that there's a lot of articles in English uh, magazines in Western magazines about bits and about the actions and about what they do. But we don't talk about that quite as much in driving because Mm -hmm. we kind of assume that everybody knows. And uh, (laughs) And everybody doesn't know. And and, and they're so opinionated about it too. So then it ends up in a big, it's like talking about politics. Yeah. It's like shoes or no shoes. And it's interesting too, that I don't know if it works this way in the driving community, but people assume if you, I'm going to use my air quotes, need a different bit, like you said, a, a bratty horse or a sensitive horse, just because you're looking for a different bit doesn't always mean you need a stronger bit. A lot of people who have sensitive right. horses need something with a lighter touch, something that the horse wants to hold because yeah. what he's wearing is too too much bit. 
Sometimes the, the struggle is quite the reverse. I know with my horse um, and with Scooter too, we struggled to find something that was light enough. It was everything yeah. we put in their mouths, like too much bit, too much bit, too much bit. We need less. So that's great. A great yeah. idea to beg, borrow, or don't steal. Um, if you're curious whether or not your horse will go well in something, uh, to to borrow it or or find some place that has a return policy. I know some manufacturers have um, programs where you can sign up so that you can get a bit and try it out and keep it if you want it or return it if you don't. Uh, so where can people find this article at? Where, where where should people go? So this one is in the October edition of the Carriage Journal, and this particular edition will be available. St- for sale in the CAA bookstore, which you can get to through caaonline.com. Yes, I think this is just a really interesting topic, and I, I hope more people try different bits with their horses because even if you go to like a swivel or or something, it can just make your horse happier, and you didn't know that you needed it. You didn't so, know you needed it till so you got too. it. Yeah, great, great. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks a bunch, Kathleen. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Well, I'm so excited. Our next guest is Dr. Tom Hutchins. He's a veterinarian from the North Texas Veterinary Hospital, and he has been using ProStride in his practice for quite a while. And he has a background in biochem uh, from Cameron University in Oklahoma. So he has uh, the biotechnology part down pat along with his uh, veterinary science. So welcome, Tom, to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So in your practice, you do uh, all animals, right? Horses, cows, dogs, cats, do everything. You name it. We're the one-stop shop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, and how long have you been using ProStride in your practice? Uh, ProStride has been a part of my practice probably for about seven or eight years now. Um, Mm -hmm. We really started to uh, integrate it into our small animal sports medicine arena uh, probably in the last four to five years because mm-hmm. um, we deal with a lot of uh, sporting dogs hunting dogs working cattle dogs things of that nature and <clears throat> we found that um, these dogs that we were coming across in our equine practice were suffering some of the same injuries that the horses were mm-hmm. uh, we thought hey why not Let's let's try to segue this over here and see if we can get something done in a more natural, um, you know, biologic approach uh, mm-hmm. versus uh, the typical steroid anti-inflammatory approach. And it's worked well right. for us. Yeah, because in the past, I mean, a lot of what we did for dog medicine was rest and remedil, right? And we That's have it. more than that now. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of different options, and and obviously the. Uh, uh, the pharmaceutical industry has given us uh, a lot of new uh, therapeutics um, from either neuropathic pain uh, blockade or mm-hmm. just the anti-inflammatories. And like right. I said, Remedil has been one of the old standbys, but you know things are changing and the people are asking for uh, more specific uh, medications or more specific therapies that don't require day-to-day medicating, you know, right. and treatment. And that's what's attractive about ProStride and Restigen as well uh, in, in all of these injuries that we see. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about how it works. So ProStride basically, uh, in a nutshell, is 
a super concentrated platelet rich plasma uh, with a component of activated uh, IRAP or interleukin re- receptor antagonist protein. Mm-hmm. Those proteins control the inflammatory process in the joint capsule. Um, and the, the PRP component helps us on a regenerative level. Uh, so at the same time we're controlling the inflammation, we're also able to repair some of the soft tissue damage and soft tissue irritation that goes on in these joints. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know you said you do, you do a lot of working dogs. And with the working dogs, it's probably like with your horse practice that those people realize that their dogs have lameness issues and go looking for a solution. So uh, in the beginning when you started using it, were were they aware of what ProStride was or um, was that a, a educational process for your clients? Definitely an educational process. I think most uh, small animal uh, owners... Uh, are naive to mm-hmm. what we have for uh, some alternative therapies these days. Uh, right. You know, as, as you mentioned earlier, they've all been exposed to, well, let's give it a anti-inflammatory of some sort. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we'll just see how the dog responds. Uh, and if they're not comfortable with joint injections, this way they can just refer to you like they would any kind of specialist. And then, Correct. and then you send the, the pets back. Correct. So That's exactly right. Um, and you know, with the horses, I know that you, you do that. You can just, uh, collect the blood and spin down the blood in the tubes in the pro stride tubes with the dogs. What do you, what's the process? Do they come in in the morning and you spin it down, get them injected and send them home that evening? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. We we do the exact same process. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I usually have these patients after they've had a consultation visit and mm-hmm. had uh, everything explained to them, how the process is going to work. I can literally get these dogs in and out the door in an hour. Really? Uh, from, oh, that's great. From start to finish. So mm-hmm. uh, they're more than willing, uh, and, and some people are happy to drop the dog off, yeah. leave it for the day, and we... Uh, treat the dog accordingly, and then they come pick it up in the afternoon. Uh, and some people opt to wait. And it's right. a very quick process. The injections can be done under uh, a uh, mild intravenous sedative. Mm-hmm. And then the dog treated and a reversal agent administered and then, you know, 10 minutes back on their feet like nothing ever happened and out the door. Right. So, so it's also a great option for older dogs because it's such a light sedation they don't have to worry about a big procedure where they're going to be all the way under general anesthesia correct and that's the nice thing about it's because we don't we don't need a lot of that all we need Mm -hmm. is a little bit of minor restraint just relax the dog they do very very well with it they're very receptive Mm -hmm. to it and uh being minimally invasive i mean it's it's literally one stick and you're done well, I hope we can get more people um, educated on this option for dogs because it is really heartbreaking with the amount of arthritis we see in our geriatric dogs because uh, when they don't have to be working dogs, sometimes they just like sit on the couch and nobody knows that they're even lame and they hide it so much more than horses, you know? Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> 
Well, we get excited about when they come in, and and we don't we don't try to upsell uh, the client on something that they don't need. But when we feel like that on radiographic presentation and lameness evaluations that we could see the benefit and the clinical mm-hmm. experience that we've had in the past, uh, we get excited about offering that up. And I think at the end of the day, when you look at the economic investment, by and large, they're actually saving money. Yeah. Uh, because if you, if you look and can stretch the uh, return visits out, and spread mm-hmm. those out and not have to medicate that dog on a daily basis, people are really excited about that and yeah. realize what the, the cost-benefit ratio is. Well, Dr. Tom, thank you so much for joining us and for keeping all these puppies and horses healthy out there in Texas. You'll have to come back and join us again sometime. Would love to do that. Thanks for having me. Okay. And um, where can people find your – you have a website, right? So where can people find your website? Website is uh, www.ntxvethospital.com. That's for North Texas Veterinary Hospital. Um, look us up and uh, give us a call. We'd be glad to help you out. And, and uh, if you just need some information, we're happy to do that as well. And you can learn more about ProStride at pro-stride.com. Well, I am super excited. Our next guest is one of the newest members of Team USA for singles driving, Taylor Bradish from Katie Did Farm. Hi, Taylor. Hello. How are you? Well, congratulations on your big win at uh, Tryon and making the team. That's exciting. Thank you. Um. Uh. Was I? I'm a little bit behind on what the qualifications were this year because of the COVID and all that, but, um, going into try on, did you know, like where you were on the list? Um, no, they do not do rankings anymore. Mm -hmm. So you don't really know where you're standing. Mm -hmm. I was pretty confident coming into try on. I had a really good season before COVID had started. I won Grand Oaks and then um, was second at Live Oak and then won the national championship there. So I yeah. was uh, confident that even if I didn't have the greatest show, I would hopefully, you know, make the team. But, uh, you know, we haven't had a few of the other drivers recently competing and they everybody right. kind of showed up. To yeah, so you never on. know walking into it. <laughs> oh, you never I I did not have the best show. It was definitely not my, my dressage was not great. And marathon i had a new navigator that i didn't get a chance to really train with so Mm -hmm. i had to go do the marathon cautiously yeah just to be i wanted to have a safe marathon especially so close to world championship i didn't want to risk anything Mm -hmm. Um, but i it was very i drove very smoothly so i still had really good times and then cones um my horse was a little too fresh and so we had one ball in the zigzag just because she was a little too forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but other, uh, you know, not my best show, but I'm the, you know, I'm kind of the marathon specialist. We, I, that's what I'm. That's the most for. fun, anyways, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> and just I just never been my strong suit. I mean, it's hopefully it'll get there eventually. I want it to get better, but um, I, you know, you I have, have time. You're only you're only 25, right? 
Oh yeah, and this uh, this was only Duchess's fourth two stars, so you know she hasn't been at this level long at all. Well, um, now so. you now you work at Katie Did Farm, and uh, Katie Did is owned by Jennifer Matheson, right? Who's a pony driver herself, yeah. and yeah. Um, and then uh, is that how you got started driving? You started working at Katie Did. No, um, I'm originally from Arizona, Flagstaff, and I rode my whole life. And then mm-hmm. when I was 16, I took a job riding for Shirley Rector and her and her husband. Oh, great. And th- those are Josh Rector's parents. Yeah. Um, and so I drove, she had a little German riding pony, and that's how I kind of learned. I didn't like drive competitively. I just put it around. Mm-hmm. Um, but was more the, the ridden dressage. And then I decided I want to move to the East Coast. So I started looking for jobs. And then I, it kind of just worked out that I ended up at Katie Did. And um, are you, what do you do there? At Katie Did? Uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, when I started, I really just did, I just rode. We had a lot of ponies and a lot of coaching horses. And they everybody mm-hmm. rides here, all the horses do. Yeah. So I rode and then Jennifer kind of forced me to go to a <laughs> driving show and I had to drive um her marathon pony, who's not a dressage pony, and I yeah. it was a terrible dressage pony, but that's how it all kind of got started. And I've always excelled in the marathon. Mm-hmm. Um and then I eventually started driving Duchess and I've driven a lot, I've competed a lot of different ponies which is good because it makes you a good driver. Yeah. And now tell us a little bit about um, Duchess because she has a royal bloodline. <laughs> she has yeah, a great Duchess. history and combined driving many generations. Yeah, yeah she's very special. Um, Danny Lou, her father, who Jennifer, well, Katrina Becker bought and Jennifer Madison drove for a long time we still have him out in the field he's very happy um he won the first ever pony world championship he won the single pony gold medal mm-hmm. and Mrs. 2003 right that's a long time ago so yeah that's <laughs> <a long time> ago. <laughs> um and then she bred him to katie did baroness the baroness um and that and then they had a few driving ponies come out of that but duchess has for sure been the most successful mm-hmm. um and she actually went over that's why i can beat her as a horse because she's over a pony size oh that's good um, so what yeah, is she like is she of, like four t- 15 hands i don't know hands but she's 152 centimeters so <laughs> three centimeters over pony so she's, <laughs> that's a good time. and we've had her we've had her officially measured because it's you know people People, it's an advantage having a small horse and the obstacles. Yeah. So we had her officially measured. But, um, no, when I got to Katie did, uh, I was told don't drive her, just ride her. Cause she didn't have a very good start to driving. She just didn't take to it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, little attitude problem with it. So I was like, okay, well, I didn't really like driving anyways at that time. So I just rode <laughs> her for a year. And then. Jennifer decided that that would be my summer project that summer was to drive her. So I just, I had learned to like break a few. I know I'd driven since then. So me and Jose totally rebroke her to drive like from, you know, the bottom 
And mm-hmm. then she has not been easy. She is not an easy mare. Definitely yeah. not. Very, very marish, but she has her days. But she's, you know, once she, once she learned that, oh, this is a cool job and I like it. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely blossomed. And then went to a show about, I think four years ago was my first show with her at training level. Oh, really? Just, that was her, that was your first show at training level only four years ago. Yeah. With her. Yes. With her. Yeah. That, but that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's fast yeah. that she came along and combined driving. Yeah. We kind of did a, um, you know, a level a year and the plan was to sell her. Cause we just, we never thought, she's just not a very fancy mover mover like the rest of our ponies are dangerous fabulous and they all move right you know they're just great first so we were like oh she just she'd be like a nice prelim intermediate and i want yeah. to drive advanced drive advanced so the plan was to sell her but mrs becker just absolutely loved her it was her favorite horse she just thought she was so pretty so yeah. um <laughs> so we planned to sell her and she's doing really well at intermediate and then we found a buyer, pretty much had her sold, had the pre-purchase, everything. Miss Becker decided at the last moment, nope, I don't want to sell her anymore. She's on for sale. <laughs> so we kept her, and then Jennifer said, all right, well, Mrs. B was getting older, and we said, well, you know, we need to have something for Mrs. Becker to look forward to. So we told mm-hmm. Mrs. Becker, I think about two, two years ago, exactly, that we were going to try to get Duchess to this, this coming up world championship. So we had Miss B put on her calendar and we kind of worked towards that. And she, you know, she gets better every time she gets, goes to a show. So yeah. we're like, well, I guess she, you know, she, her movement has changed. She gets stronger and, you know, they just, they kind of blossom as they get older and she gets stronger. And then she's just so strong in the marathon that she can be the marathon horse. And, um, you know, Jennifer's famous for driving pairs and um, Katerina Becker always had the, the coaching team. So do you mm-hmm. have any experience with pairs and multiples? And is that something you're looking at after you come back from the singles? Um, I have driven, the, like we have pair ponies and, you know, Jennifer has tons of experience with pairs. And yeah, when she was really- competing I would drive the pair a lot she was out of town so I have a good bit of experience with pairs obviously not competing yeah I did drive her good marathon pair and obstacles in a clinic one time with coast and that was so much fun because that there's just so much power yeah you know pony two of them the power and they were just so fast so that was fun and I've I've driven a unicorn once also in a clinic but um that's great I'd Definitely not coaching it. I'm way too young for that. But um, <laughs> I, in the future, I would love to. I think it'd be a lot of fun to drive. A team of ponies would look like so much fun. I know. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big goal. So tell us about the World Championships. That's coming up. It's pretty soon, right? It's in October. Yeah, it's October 21st. Um, it's kind of in limbo right now. Well, we're waiting to get approval uh, travel waiver approvals to get mm-hmm. over there because covid right now everything is difficult mm-hmm. um they have they're using these travel waivers for other athletes um like the tour de france people in tennis they're using mm-hmm. these waivers to get athletes over there but they have not done them in equestrian yet so okay. 
we're waiting to hear back. Um, but it's, it's hard because they're only flying horses into Belgium right now. So then we have to figure out how to get from Belgium to France. So then you have to go through, you know, multiple countries and get approval from multiple countries to get there. Oh, because they have different COVID regulations for different countries. Yes. And you have to get, you know, I think you have to get approval from each country to get there. Gosh. It's probably easier to get the horses there than the people there right now, huh? It's it's no problem. Getting the horses there is no problem at all. (laughs) Um, That's the easy part. That's like super easy. It's getting the people there. And, you know, then you want to have your groom and your navigators and your owners. Mm-hmm. Getting approval from all of those people is um, not easy, but they're Yusef is working on it. Yeah. Um, when do you think they'll tell you? Um, <laughs> hopefully soon. The day before they leave. Yeah, that's when they're here. Yeah, probably. Um, so, do, what, are you guys having a training session here in the United States together, or you're not going to do any no, training? it's hard because we're all so far away. Jennifer Thompson's in Wisconsin. I'm here in the nifties up near garden state at the moment. So mm-hmm. that's difficult. And, you know, they named the team so late that it was hard to kind of do anything yeah. beforehand. Um, and with COVID nothing's been happening. Right. Uh, no, don't get to have a training camp, which is a little disappointing, but it is what it is. Everybody's, you know, kind of doing their own training at home. Um, and there won't be a camp over there because it's gonna, you're not going to have any time. Right. But um, Ms. D is going over this week. So it, she's kind of our guinea pig to see how it goes with their travel waivers with her mm-hmm. American groom. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how it works out for them. But they only have to go to Holland. You know, we have oh, to go yeah. to France from Holland, yeah. or from Belgium. So... Um, we all really would love to go, but it's the logistics of getting getting there. So tell us a little bit about how they score the um, team scores. Like all year you've kind of been showing as individuals. And while you'll show as an individual at the championships, there's also a team score. How does that work? So you have three athletes to a team. And then they take the top two scores of each discipline. And then you drop the third score. So, like, Nifty and Jennifer Thompson can get good dressage scores. So, mm-hmm. when you go into it, those are our dressage drivers. Yeah. And then, so, and then you'll probably drop my score. I mean, stuff always happens. It's, right. I saw it at Cronenberg where they, that wasn't, their plan didn't work out and they had to use a different driver's score. Right. But. Um, and then you go into marathon, it's the same thing. You know, you ideally, from what I understand, you want to have three strong marathon drivers because anything can happen in the marathon. You know, it's very easy oh, to yeah. have a ball or, or get yeah. eliminated. So, but, you know, you hopefully have my score um, is the best score. And then Jennifer Nifty, whoever can produce the best score. Yeah. And then Cone, hopefully everybody drives double clear. Is the, you know, <laughs> the goal. Yeah. So the same thing. You take top two scores and then you drop one. So that's how that works as the team score. And um, Nifty and Jennifer, they drive Dutch Warm Bloods, right? Uh, yes. They have like, yeah, they have big, big horses. And you've got the 
Oh, I'm like the only one in my the class super pony. I do not have a Dutch horse. I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Taylor, I have to tell you the reason why I, I love the, your horse. First of all, I love Danny Lou, but my horses back when I used to show were overgrown ponies. In fact, I was always yeah. hoping that nobody measured me because one of them probably would have sticked a pony. So I'm always yeah, I, you when I see you. <laughs> yeah, I had some, when I drove her in immediate and I was winning marathons, people were complaining that, oh, that's a pony, that's a pony. And so we right. We're like, you know what, we're just going to have her officially measured. So she has, it's funny, it's a pony measurement card, but it's a right. it's measurement of 152 to prove that she is not a pony because it's, yeah. you know, people, people are worried that she's a pony, but she's not. Yeah. But no, she, and the good thing about her is, you know, she's just so fast. And even against these big horses, it's not that I always drive the tightest, tightest lines, but you know, a lot of the Dutch horses are very up down movement. Not a lot yeah. of forward. Not a lot of there's not a lot of going forward. And she's just I literally just have to keep up with her in obstacle. Like if I can drive fast enough, she's I never really have to push her. She's always yeah. there. Um, well you probably never she, saw you probably never saw her mother compete, right? Because it was so long no, ago. I, she's still she's so funny. She's like thirty one now. Yeah. And every day she runs as fast as she can from the other side of the field and she still she still has it but i've heard i've heard stories that she was very fast she was so fast <laughs> she was like a spitfire and um yeah you know it's funny because uh you know what you say she's like more forward and not up and down her sire uh, is a uh, hunter is like one of the leading sires of of hunter ponies He's uh, oh, really? it's, uh, rainbow. Yeah. Was one of the top hunter ponies in the country in the eighties. So oh, wow. yeah, she's like super fancy bred for a hunter pony, but in combined driving, that's yeah. not really what we think about nowadays because the dressage weights so heavily, but she, mm -hmm. your pony is really a lot like the kind of, uh, all arounder that used to be very popular in combined driving about 20 years ago. So it's exciting yeah. to see her go. It's really exciting. It is. Yeah. And she, and it's, they both have, well, Duchess is a quarter thoroughbred, but, but you know, Beth May was bred to that Welsh stallion, but out of a thoroughbred mare. And mm -hmm. I also think the marathon that gives her that extra edge where she has, I never have gone to the last obstacle and not had the same horse I had the first one. She has so much stamina. That's great. And that's the she just, oh, she just keeps going and going. And that's, you know, that's another thing. The Dutch horses, they get hot really fast and they get tired. Yeah. But I think just that little bit of thoroughbred, um, it just gives her that stamina and she just, she can go. That's exciting. So um, yeah. uh, do, do you guys have a website or where can people follow along on your journey? Um, I need to get better about posting on social media. I've been trying to be better about <laughs> But you can go to my Facebook or my Instagram. They're both just Taylor Bradish. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if we go to Europe, I'll for sure be posting as much as I can. Um, and then use of driving should be posting also stuff. But I will all try to, I need to be more active about it. I'm the only <laughs> young person I know that's not good about social media. Because you're too busy driving. I, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. best of luck, A, getting there, and best of luck, B, once you get there, and we'll be rooting for you. All righty. Thank you very much.
In 2006, Daily Dose Equine was founded by Janet Geyer when she was searching for better feed options for her own horses and couldn't find them. Today, Daily Dose Equine's seven different feed and forage balance formulas provide all types of horses with the quality nutrients they need, but none of the fillers or additives they don't. Daily Dose is made with non-GMO ingredients. You won't find any wheat middlings or distillers grains in Daily Dose Equine formulas. Plus, feeds are flame-roasted to improve digestibility, lower NSCs, and eliminate mold, bacteria, and other contaminants. You can learn more about Daily Dose Equine at DailyDoseEquine.com. And Daily Dose Equine feeds and forage balancers are available nationwide through Chewy.com. So I have a fun topic for the TCVM segment. I'm ready. And it's a, it's about Twina, which is massage or myofascial release. But it is based on... Wait, 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 wait. This is a family show. Are we allowed to talk about this? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> it's based on <laughs> TCVM principles. Okay. So you're, what you're really doing is acupressure. Oh, okay. And... um, uh. I teach this up at Chi to vet other veterinarians, but I also teach it to my clients because usually, like, I don't do a lot of Twina on my clients. I do it on my own horses. But um, I usually give exercises, Twina exercises, and uh, for the clients to do at home. Because acupressure and massage, you know, you can do that multiple times at home. And you probably are already doing a lot of that in your grooming routine. Um, but one of the things that, we like to point out is like, you know, massage is not just, um, it's not just rubbing the skin and they feel good. It can, it affects your body, right? Cause why do massages make you feel so relaxed and so great? And it's because you release a lot of feel good hormones during the massage. Okay. And different kinds of massage can release different kinds of hormones. Oh, I didn't know like, that. Yes. And the main hormones that are released during massage um, control your, your, you know, your sympathetic nervous system is your fight and flight response, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is when you, like, see something, you get scared, you're like, ah, I'm out of here. Yeah. And that releases, like, epinephrine and cortisol, your stress hormones. But then your parasitic sympathetic nervous system is like after you eat your Thanksgiving turkey dinner and you just want to like chill out, right? Mm -hmm. You just want to rest and digest. And that's when those feel-good hormones are, are coming out. So with massage, we want you to feel like relaxed and your body all feeling good. But this can also be helpful. The reason I give these exercises to my clients is, first of all, if their horse is just, you know, like if it's a sport horse that just needs a tune-up, the massage can really help you when you're at shows to control anxiety and to decrease little aches and pains. But for more chronic cases like geriatric horses with Cushing's disease and chronic laminitis, they're hurt, sore in their whole body, right? It's, their feet are a major problem, but the rest of their body is really hurting too. And this can be a great way to uh, have some pain relief and and some relaxation mm -hmm. without a lot of drugs. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
some of the hormones that you might have heard of is like endorphins. Those are your endogenous opioids, right? So that's like morphine that you have in your body. <sighs> so when you can release those, that's when you feel like, oh, I feel so good. That feeling of euphoria. Mm-hmm. You probably don't like massage, Jen, I bet, because you're metal, right? See, how did you know? God. Because you're metal. So <laughs> you have to think about that with horses too. Metal horses aren't too into it. But all the other horses are. Um, but uh, you should try it because if you can get past the first 15 minutes of feeling like all nervous and icky, you'll feel great. <laughs> See, that's the thing. You got to get past the icky part. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then the, the second hormone you may have heard of is oxytocin. And you might have heard of oxytocin if you have a mare because we use oxytocin as a drug in mares to help with uh, uterine tone. Sometimes if they're uh, retaining fluid in their uterus, it helps squeeze that out. But that is also known as the cuddle hormone. So when you have oxytocin release, like when mommies are cuddling their babies or um, like when you're in love and you're cuddling, that uh, hormone helps you create bonds. So that's really important to do with your horse. And then we also have dopamine dopamine everybody's heard of that's the love hormone right that stimulates the reward centers in your brain so that's really important for motivation and also mental focus and learning so that can be really important if you do some massage before a training session you can like focus they'll they'll learn better if they have these more dopamine in their system. So skip and skip then, the curry comb and go direct to a massage. There we go. To the massage. But the curry comb is a massage. Well, depends on the horse and how it's used. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of horses out there, when you curry them, they gnash their teeth. They hate it. So well, okay. maybe you rethink how you use it. it. Yeah. Yeah, because that's too strong, right? Because that horse is like you. They don't like that initial part. Right. So this is how you start. Um, you can start with like the light touching on their face. And I almost start all my appointments like this. I, I am doing a little bit of tweena on their face because all horses love to be like rubbed right on under their eye. You know, that little place right under their eye mm-hmm. in that soft part of their cheek. Mm-hmm. All horses love that. And you think, oh, I'm just petting him. But petting releases these hormones and also can relax them. So they can see like, oh my God, that's the vet that's going to stick all these needles in me. But I give them a little relaxation before I do it. And then to make it a tweena rather than just massage, massage tends to work on like anatomical planes. In TCVM, we also are working on anatomical planes, but we're following fascia lines and the fascia lines can coordinate with the meridians, the Chinese meridians. So one of the best places for relaxation when you're doing light touch, like before you're trying to curry that crabby horse, is right at the base of the forelock. Have you ever heard of people that want their forelock stapled? Have you ever heard that? They want a staple in the forelock? That's like a, we sometimes put a skin staple in their forelock. That's a calming thing. Ew! No, it's not bad. But if you just like lightly touch there, that can re- that can relax them. And then, oh. like I said, around the eye, that's your gallbladder. Now, meridian. if your horse has rubbed his forelock out, does it still count? You're going to need to squeeze it hard because they've already <laughs> stimulated that point. 
You can start on the curry comb straight away. Yeah, straight away. Go directly to the curry comb. (laughs) (laughs) Then another thing I like to do, especially this is another one for for horses that don't like the curry. You know how horses in the field, they'll scratch each other behind the withers? Oh, yes. So the points that they're scratching are actually the points for the heart and the pericardium. And so we think of that as like, you know, the actual physical heart and pericardium, but we also use those points for emotional problems. So so it's, it's like relaxation or to stop them from being scared and for bonding. Right. So that's how a way you can bond with your horse. And this is really great for stallions because stallions, they're very, stallions can be very loving with their owners uh, because they are meant to have a herd and mares. And a lot of stallions, you know, live a very lonely life because they can't be around other horses. So you are the only herd that your stallion has. So this can be a really great uh, bonding experience for your horse. And when you're doing massage yourself, the points that you're stimulating on yourself actually is, is pericardium eight. And when you do any kind of yoga or energy work, that's the palm of your hand. And that's how uh, in Chinese medicine, we feel like you receive energy from the outside, from Mm -hmm. the, you know, either from the ground or from the air. So when you're putting your PC8 on your horse, your palm of your hand, it's like you're sharing the energy. And horses give you a lot of energy back. Dogs sometimes can be like, they can give you energy, but they're like super needy because they're dogs and cats just like suck the energy straight out of you because they're cats and they can give a <laughs> shit about you. But that's why some people say, oh, I love working on horses. I feel so great. It's because they're giving you a lot of energy back. So is that a process where if some horses, that process of giving energy, because I've, I've totally got this. I, I understand how this works. Um, horses are giving energy back in ca- in some cases, is it the horse is giving you the energy back because the horse has excess energy and it needs to get out? Yes. Vers- versus, I'm giving you some energy. It's like, no, no, I need it out of there. Take it. Yeah, that's exactly it. We classify horses as yang animals. You know, the yin and the yang. Mm-hmm. Yang is like outside, energetic, bright, bright, bright. And extrovert where yin is more like introverted quiet inside you know because they're opposites Mm -hmm. so horses they have a ton of energy and i also think it's because the way we've domesticated horses that they were domesticated as work animals Mm -hmm. not as pets that's true we're and like cats. Is it like cats and horses are the opposite end of the spectrum? Horses are y- young and cats are yin. They don't need us. They don't even want to be with us. So right? is prey animal versus predator relate to it? Is our cow which way are cows? Any animal that's kind of slow and quiet is a yin animal. So cows are yin. See, I see. Yeah, and you know, when I talk about food therapy, hot foods and yeah. cool foods, mm-hmm. that also relates like young animals are hot foods. So like deer are hot, right? Venison and beef is more like neutrally and cool. 
And turkey is cool. Like, they just, like, blob around. But chickens, you know, chickens are kind of wild. They're hot. Really? Yep. Did not know. (laughs) That's your TCVM trivia for the day. Well, and... But, so... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Because some... And I'm better at it with Nigel than with Scooter because... Scooter's a mystery to me. He's he's always interesting to figure out. But you can lay your, I'm going to use that term, I probably shouldn't, lay your hands on him. And yeah. depending upon the circumstances, sometimes I can get that whole, okay, we're releasing some energy here with yeah. him. Um, and he's very thin-skinned and very thin-haired. Maybe yeah. that's, that relates to how it could This is Scooter or Nigel? S- Nigel. Scooter, Nigel, okay. Scooter is. I always feel it's blocked. Every time I try to do it with Scooter, I feel like it's blocked. Okay, there's tons of energy in there, but he's not letting go. It's his, and he's keeping it. That's always well, the that's, sensation. Well, I he's get. a wood. He's a wood. Oh. So he's kind of like, you're not taking my energy. Maybe if you gave me more food. That's totally his attitude too. Every everything in his his universe is what's in it for me. Yeah, exactly. He's like, hey, lady. <laughs> You took away my bushes. Forget it. I'm not giving you any energy. <laughs> but Nigel is a metal like you. Interesting. So he he doesn't initially want to bond. He likes you. Yeah, he's. You need to. Yeah, he like he. You guys are buds. Yeah, we're cool. But you need to cuddle him a little bit, so you get like like you know Duke and I are both fire so like we i sometimes just go out there and just like hug him and kiss him and he hugs me and kisses me back yet neither of ours would put up with the hugging and kissing no no scooter will bite your face <laughs> not because he's laying his ears back get away from me bite your face but it's like hello yeah like if duke's laying down i could like come in in the middle of the night and like climb all over him hug him and kiss him Aww. and he loves it and, he loves and i love it and you love it Oh, <laughs> see, this is why I love the TCM segment because I get to ask questions that are just completely off topic. <laughs> so, for a horse who is, uh, let's say, let's typical example, the horse who is curry comb averse, you start with a a light brush touch in that it's little pressure, right? Yeah, like just stroke them, just pet them. So when you stroke or pet, you want to go with the lay of the hair. Yeah. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. Probably if they're really sensitive, you should start with the lay of the hair. Mm -hmm. They might not like it if you go against the grain of the hair. Mm -hmm. But you can, that, that can be your increase. Some horses don't like to be touched for many reasons, right? Maybe they have sensitive skin. Chestnut, maybe it's a chestnut, right? <laughs> but um, send your but, letters too. <laughs> but you know, some horses, like if your horse has Lyme's disease, they're super sensitive all over. So their uh, sensation of touch has to be much lighter than mm-hmm. something like a, a big old quarter horse. Like, remember what was that other chestnut you used to have? Beaker. Beaker loved Beaker. to be curry combed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dig in. Beaker could be like, remember in the old days they used to make that hay wisp and you would whack them with the hay wisp? <sighs> the things we Beaker, used to do to horses. Yeah, I bet Beaker would love that. Oh, he was fine with it. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. You're good. <laughs> but but what I love about TCVM too is that many of the things that we do in TCVM, it's, it's 
is pattern recognition and the stuff you're doing already. Oh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know you have horses that you don't like to curry. That, that I mean, that don't want to be curried by mm-hmm. you. And either they're painful or they don't want to release any energy or mm-hmm. they're, like, not wanting to bond with you. Like, mm-hmm. this is especially, tween has especially good for babies or, uh, like, if you get a young horse that you didn't raise or a wild horse. Mm-hmm. Because you need to spend a lot of time with them anyway, so you might as well be doing something that's, you know, bonding. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when you're using your hand rather than the curry comb, that's when you're, remember I talked about your pericardium eight, that's how you can give them energy. So you can say, well, I'll give you a little energy and then maybe they'll open up to you. Cool. But either way, you're both getting the, the hormone release. So you're both feeling good about it as long as you don't force it. Interesting. So, because if you force it, you stimulate the yeah, sympathetic nervous system. The wrong, the wrong, the wrong batch, and then you're just SOL. Yeah. And also, for all these people that always, I know there's some no treat people, and I understand that. Okay, but I give treats because when you you're eating, your parasympathetic nervous system is in control. So that's also giving them some treats is a great way to force them into a parasympathetic state a more relaxed state to be more apt to like to be touched. So you're, you're sort of um, setting yourself up for success. If you have a horse that you suspect or that you personally is like not too good at this yet, the horse isn't too good at it yet. Good way to start this out is put a couple of cookies in your feed bucket and I'll start to stroke your, withers smoothly yeah. and gently and work your way into it. Don't just go jumping in, you know, to the deep end. Right. Like, like if, if you were going to go in for a massage, we wouldn't send you to some like big Swedish masseuse to do deep tissue straight away. You'd be screaming and you run out and you say, I'm never getting a massage again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So you've got the withers, you've got the neck. What about, you have in the notes here tail pulls. Why am I supposed to pull my horse's tail? That's what the that's what the redneck sales guys do. They run up behind their horse and yank their tail and say they're wonderful. It's not, it's not yanking. It's I, sh- I should change the name. It's not pulls. It's like a stretch. It's like, like applying some tension to the spinal cord. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, I always say like your fascia when your fascia's out because people always love to say that about chiropractic, right? Oh, they're out. My ribs out or whatever. What that really means is not out. If it's out of the socket, if your bone's out of the socket, you're in big trouble. Okay. I'm not going to fix that with some massage. So, but what it is, is your fascia, which is the coating, the covering of your muscles. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it gets out of whack because you're not symmetrical, whether you're weaker on one side than the other, or you did something like, like we all clean stalls with our right hand or your, our dominant hand. And that throws you off. Right. Yes. But I can't muck stalls with my left hand. I just can't do it. So what happens is your fascia kind of gets all twisted a little bit. Like, like I always feel like when you get all twisted in your pajamas, yes. it doesn't hurt, <laughs> but it's super uncomfortable and you don't, you lost your reins of motion. So what you're trying to do with massage and any myofascial release is trying to stop muscle spasm and fascia. We see it on like, meat or dead specimens, it's dead, right? It's, it looks tense, but living fascia is 
has more elasticity. Mm -hmm. So that's how we can affect that. It may seem hard when we're palpating it, but if you work on it a while and it relaxes, it can stretch a little bit. Mm -hmm. So when you're pulling the tail, I stand behind them and I put my hand like right at the base of their tail, right? Mm -hmm. Underneath. And you just gently like lean back a little and just pull until it, until like you don't want to yank it so right. they're not comfortable, right. but just pull a little bit I, I, and I they'll start it to relax I, into it. I liken so. it to pulling taffy. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. Taffy is a great way to explain that yeah. feeling. Scooter loves that. And what it does is it stretches the fascia, right? And it, it, it kind of gives it a way to straighten itself out. And also you have to think about it. Like, you know, all horses love their tail massage right there where the base of the tail hits their butt cheeks. Mm -hmm. So you're stretching that muscle too. Interesting. And, and that's a good way to tell if your horse's back is really sore, primary back pain, when they're cl clenching their tail. Mm -hmm. If you have a horse with a really clenched down tail. The, the or clenched tail and the crooked tail. I could, yeah. I could do an entire show on the crooked tail. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about this whole coronet thing? My mom used to do this with her horse. I never understood oh, oh. it. Your mom used to do this? With, yeah, she had the, yeah, she, yeah, she was totally into the whole myofacial thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's like, a, um, you know, just a, around the coronet band, the, that's where all of our beginnings and endings of our meridians are. And those are really, really powerful points. Like you'll see people needling those all the time. But so you can do acupressure on that and that should clear the meridians, right? Mm -hmm. On the front feet, a lot of those meridians go through the neck and shoulders to the head. Mm -hmm. And then on the back feet, they go up along the back, right? Mm -hmm. So those can be powerful points to help with like uh, all over the body pain. But also we know that like, like no foot, no horse, right? Right. But all those points above the coronet, what you're working on is the, the, all the collateral ligaments of the foot, mm -hmm. right? So all those little ligaments, that what's in the foot is like your last finger, right? Mm -hmm. You have to imagine your horse is standing on the very last, like your middle finger and working on all those points around uh, the nail bed. You have tons and tons of nerves right there. And so so whenever, that, whenever you're working with that point, what am I exactly doing? Am I massaging it? Am I rubbing it back and forth and up and down? What am I doing? You can massage it. You could just curry it with a, you know, my favorite grooming tool is that soft curry with the tiny little nubbins. Yeah. So you could just curry that and that would stimulate it. Or sometimes when they have stagnation in, in that meridian, you'll palpate and you'll palpate and it'll feel a little bit swollen. Mm -hmm. or a little bit um, poofy, and you can just press on it with your thumb. Is there one specific spot around the coronet, or is it the entire per the, the entire diameter, for lack of a better word? Well, uh, you know, there's points all around. So usually I just tell people massage the, the foot. The whole thing, yeah. But the points are, like, so front foot, and, and for the back foot, but, you know, between the heel bulbs, mm -hmm. right? You know how you can put your finger in there. There's, like yeah, there's a little thumbprint. Yeah. Yeah. The thumbprint, that thumbprint, mm -hmm. that that's a really powerful point. In uh, the horse. I didn't know that. Those are actually like emergency points. Like if I have a horse that like is fainted or down or really, really, you know, 
sick, low blood pressure, geriatrics, those points at the front and the back and the little thumbprint between the heel bulbs is the really powerful point. Didn't know that. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. And then the other points are like at the wings of your coffin bone, mm -hmm. you know, you can feel those little, the cartilage. Mm -hmm. And then we go, you know what the extensor tendon is? Yeah. That's, you know the, one, the, that, well, that's the one that splits and comes to the front. It's the one that goes down the front and it attaches to the front of your coffin bone. Mm -hmm. And you can feel that little tendon. It's just to the side of the tendon. Mm -hmm. And then there's two on, uh, on the, you know, two more at like, what do you call that? Um, two o'clock and 10 o'clock. Interesting. So to, get, to, 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 to hit all, to hit all the, all the bases, you just go the whole way around. Yeah, that's why I say just go all the way around. So when you're doing this, again, you have to listen to the horse to find out how much pressure they are going to find pleasing. Because if you have a horse that keeps yanking his foot out of your way, you're obviously pushing too hard. Yeah, and it's just like with people. They, some love it. Some want to be pushed really hard. And mm -hmm. some like don't want to be pushed at all. Interesting. I, I massage Nigel's coronets almost daily. You do? I do. Um, he has terrible, he's, he's, he's the poster child for bad feet. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, then that, you're So I do everything I can to help improve the circulation. And he's also a big, clunky, stiff, creaky kind of guy. Mm -hmm. um, but I did not know about the little thumbprint thing. The thumbprint thing could be really helpful. Yeah, I'm going to use because that. What do we, yeah. Because that's where we inject, like say your horse has chronic navicular disease. Mm -hmm. That's how we can go in to inject that joint. So if I'm using, and the thumbprint again is that little indentation above, between the bulbs of their heels and just above the coronet at the heel area. Well, and yeah, like say you're at the fetlock, at the back of the fetlock, and you point your finger so that it's parallel with your pastern mm -hmm. and your finger is going to fall into that hole. Yep. Yeah. And he's got super, super, his heels are very, very, very close to the ground because this, the heel of his hoof goes pretty much parallel to the ground instead oh. of at the same angle yeah. as his hoof. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. Poor. Yeah. So, well, uh, it's and, you know, a ground. classical Chinese point for the heels is like, you know, right where the, hair is the hair comes down and ends right above his heel mm -hmm. like if you had his foot up mm -hmm. and you were you can put your two thumbs on each heel and mm -hmm. rub right there that's your that's a oh. classical chinese so thing. i'm gonna have to use that too so i'm gonna have to add that to the daily hoof routine because i go but around you, the whole coronet usually with yeah. a, a stiff bristle brush or my fingers in a towel a lot of times i'll, I'll use a, a wet or damp um towel that has a, a kind of a it's a cheap towel with a really rough texture it's a cotton yeah, towel but it's really good. cheap and I make it moist so my fingers will stick to it and I go all the way around and I honestly I didn't I didn't do it because I thought I knew about any of this stuff I did it because I was trying to clean the dirt out of his coronet before <laughs> I put the, yeah but see you're doing two things at once you're getting him clean and you're giving him a massage I didn't but know. you know another point that would be super good for him and it's another classical Chinese point you know where his ergot is do you know what the ergot yep, he is? doesn't have any ergots but I know where it goes okay so the ergot is like that little horny projection right it's, at the 
at his fetlock. It would be it would be where his back toe would be if he was a dog. Back toe. Yeah. So you can wiggle that because a lot of tendons, the 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 suspensory ligaments uh, are all coming together there. So we needle that in Chinese medicine, but you can also oh. get a lot of stimulation by just massaging and wiggling that point. Should I do it when his foot's on the ground or when his foot's up? I'd probably do it when his foot's up. When his foot's up, okay. He has he has a little bit of suspensory soreness in his right hind, so I'm going to make mm-hmm. use of that. Yeah, that'd be great. Ah, interesting. Great. And that's the thing about Chinese medicine when with this tweena, like say if we had an appointment, I would do these points with needles and probably electroacupuncture, especially if he had sore feet. But then I would tell you, hey, Jen, you know what would be great? If you do these things between visits. Well, that's the nice thing about it is it the caretaker of the horses can provide continuing care. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Especially when you have a chronically sick horse. Like, you know, I'm going through a lot with Dante right now because of his EPM. Mm-hmm. And he's really sick. He doesn't feel good. And I feel sad when I'm out there with him. But when we have like little cuddle sessions and we both feel great about it. Is and it, it really helps him. And it, Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's funny, he's got, he's a metal also, you know, that's why he's so good. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he gets to the point where, um, and he was never like this before because he was sensitive to his skin, but he didn't mind massage. But now there's places where he like, it's too much, it's too much intensity for him. Mm -hmm. So I have to back off of the pressure for him sometimes. Yeah. And I think, and somebody who came out and gave one of the horses a massage once this clued me into the, cause I was clueless. And they said, most people who want to do massage of any sort with their horse use too much pressure. Oh, yeah, because they want to make sure you get your money's worth. Yeah. She said, no, 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 no. You just you put your fingertip on there. She she took my hand and put it on the horse. Yeah. <laughs> this is how you do. Just move the skin. See how the skin moves a little bit? That's all the pressure you need. Which was great because when Nigel became my pony i was get in there get all your money's worth get in there and he was like no way honey no no and no i know that's how it goes i had to relearn things a little bit because of him but that this is great stuff is there do you have like any blog posts or anything on your website or on your facebook about this of Um, course you don't do you i will i will no i will if you do have if you do have questions, people can probably go over to your website yeah. and like ask you a question on the compact page, can't they? Yeah, or go to drwendying.com and I promise by the time this goes out, I will have a blog post. Well, Kitty Cadwell's back with us again for her monthly Tremont training tri- tip. Welcome, Kitty. Hi, Wendy. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, first of all, I have to say, I'm so sorry about your pony. I know. It's left a big hole here because he was 30 years old and he was Randy's world championship pony. I mean, he's tattooed on her body. I know. Then this is, uh, uh, his name was Toby. And what kind of pony was he again? He was a Welsh pony. And um, in 2007, Randy won the world championships with Toby and his brother Topaz, or we call Taz, mm-hmm. um, in Denmark. And that's when she was uh, termed the Palomino Queen, right? Yes. She was actually the first U.S. driver ever to win a marathon at a world championship. I, th- that, I can't 
I could not imagine any pony pair beating them in marathon. They were so they were fast. So fast. And, and I, I think because, because Renny always felt like brothers. That's exactly yeah. it. That they fought the same. Like yeah. their minds worked the same. They went exactly. Yeah, they looked like one pony. Yeah. So he had a great life, and we loved him. But it was time. He was yeah. getting tired. Well, thirty years is a long time. So a long, happy long life with a happy, loving family. That's so right. rest in peace, That's little right. Toby. Mm-hmm. Um, well, today we're talking about the new ADS dressage tests. And uh, Kitty is known as the dressage queen in most circles and combined driving. Uh, so <laughs> she's the best person to have talk about this. And these dressage tests uh, were created by the American Driving Society and can be found on their website at uh, americandrivingsociety.org. So Yeah, Kitty- and it's super easy to find. They have a new website, so they have right at the top, it says dressage tests. Oh, perfect. Don't even have to go yeah, look it's at really it. really nice. It was actually time that we got some new tests. Mm-hmm. And w- we were running tests from 1993. Wow. No, I know that's pretty bad. <laughs> I, hope that, I hope that driven dressage has changed a little since 1993. What do you think? It wow. has changed a lot. I think what we ask of our horses and what we expect of them you know, has changed a lot because back then, you know, we could get away with looking good trotting in a straight line. And now the expectations have been raised, the bending, the frame, the different paces. I mean, now we have four trots. So, so, uh, tell us a little bit about what to expect for the levels. So pretty basically a lot of the moves are the same, the 20 meter circles, the half circles, those are all remain the same. There's a little difference in pacing and transitions, but uh, the ADS now has put the drawings up also. So it makes it a little easier to learn the test, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because people learn in different like, ways. Like some people have to see it written down. Other people have to drive it or they have to watch someone drive it. Yeah, so I, I always say to people, you know, read the test. Because the drawings are computer generated and sometimes they're not perfect. Mm-hmm. So you might think in the drawing where it looks like you're going 30 meters, it might actually be to the rail. So you have to be careful of some yeah. things like that. But just start reading the test, familiarizing yourself with all the different movements that are going to be in there. And then you can start working on the test with your animal. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, uh, what's, give us an example of one of the new movements that you'd like. Well, actually they're starting to ask for a canter in the intermediate now. Oh, really? That's good. Well, it makes sense because in the advanced you have a canter. So why would you wait until you get up to FEI to try that for the first time? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> your horse can't canter. Is there anything wrong with that? Well, then we need to work on that. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy. (laughs) Well, when I was showing single with one of my horses, he can gallop as fast as he can, but he cannot canter. And the FEI test was trot only. And then finally I got up to FEI and they added that damn canter. And I used to chase people out of the ring. They were afraid to be in the arena with me. That's how bad it was. Well, I 
that became a problem when they first started introducing the canner because all our horses were used to just galloping in hazards, yeah. right? So then we end up having crazy canters like you talked about. But now I think people are starting to realize how much you have to balance it and the bending. And it's just, it's, it's just more language for the horse to know. Do you, um, as a trainer, like I know you train some little tiny ponies and little minis sometimes. Is it harder to teach them the canter in the carriage when you don't ride them also? No, I think that it actually becomes a natural next step. Once mm-hmm. you've worked through your circles and your bending, that eventually your horse will just start to offer to step into the canter. Mm-hmm. Don't chase them. Don't, you know, get after them with a whip. But eventually they'll just start stepping into the canter where they learn it's not a big deal. That mm-hmm. it isn't panic. It doesn't mean scoot forward. It just means we're going to canter. And um, uh, what about in the in the prelim level for many years? You know, we had that every show at prelim two. Do you feel like there's any tests in the prelim level that you think will be used a lot? Like people really should get to know that one. Well, so what they've done is they've, in, they, each level, they've put four or five tests in. Mm-hmm. And I think then it's up to the organizer. They have made the test slightly shorter. So then mm-hmm. if you have a long day, you can get through them a little bit quicker. Okay. And then introduce things like the canner or the one-handed now they've introduced more at lower levels. So that, again, it isn't a big panic when you have to do a one-handed because you're used to doing it. Oh, that's great. And so, like, at the first time you do a one-handed movement, what kind of movement is it? It's just across the diagonal, just a straight line. You let go of the reins and go in a straight line or a minor deviation, just little moves so that you can learn how to do it Mm -hmm. because there's nothing worse at advanced than getting up there and having, oh, I have to do a change of direction. One handed people just panic. (laughs) That's true. That's pretty tough. And, uh, so what about um, what about for the advanced tests? Are, do they have they have ADS advanced tests separate from the FEI test? Correct. They do offer an advanced test. I think you'll find most shows will use the FEI test mm-hmm. because all of us need to practice that. And also now the ponies have gone to a small ring. No matter what the test, the ponies are in a small ring. And that's the the tw- the forty by eighty. Right. So that means that you're going to have to learn to do those FEI movements in a smaller area. Mm-hmm. So that's a new learning curve for everybody. But I think if I most shows will use the FEI version of the test instead of using that ADS one. But even at FEI shows, the pony ring is smaller, you're saying? Yes, they have now. The FEI has now gone to a smaller ring for the ponies. That must be hard for the pony foreign hands. I feel like it would get a little claustrophobic for me. Yeah. Now, a small um, ring if, feels really small anyway. So, you know what I think is kind of interesting in our dressage, our driven dressage versus ridden dressage is our rein back. We always ask for that, even at the lower levels, right? Right. So, so do you have any tips on making that one count? Yes, I, I have the rein back and also the halt because when they came up with these tests, there was discussion about removing the halt because if you notice at the lower levels of riding, you come in and you don't halt. 
because That's you true, lose yeah. all forward movement. You lose. But the problem is with us drivers, a halt is so important for us. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to halt. Right. We can't just have someone grab our horse or, you know, it's just one horse. You have to actually be able to halt. So it's super important to be able to do that. And same with the rain back. The rain back is just a matter of training it. Yeah. And I always start them when I'm training it on a slight hill. So the carriage will pull them backwards a little bit and just mm-hmm. ask them, not pulling the face, just ask them, say, ask back, back, maybe shake the reins at them a little bit. Yeah. It, just squeeze the fingers just so that again, it becomes not a big deal. It just becomes something in their vocabulary in their toolbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, like first you have the perfect driveway for that. Really? With that, yes. <laughs> you have the perfect slope to your driveway for that. But yes. also, I remember you were telling me how to back and teach them that every step, like to to not just back up three steps and then walk forward, to train for each step. Yes, it needs to be clear steps backwards. That's dressage. We yeah. can't just shuffle backwards. Or a lot of times, you find them sitting on their britching and like running backwards. Yeah. So that means that it's, you know, in their head, it becomes an issue. So you need to quiet that down. And you know where it starts? In the barn. Mm-hmm. In the barn that you can say to your horse back and he takes a step backwards. It's as simple yeah. as that. And, you know, that is for our driving horses, really something you have to teach them in hand. And it has to be off the voice because you don't have any, you're not sitting on them. You don't have any body to support them if they want to like rush back or whatever. So I think that the back is kind of a difficult movement, but you're right. We need to start that when they're just starting out. Yeah, it's very difficult. It's confusing because usually we're asking them to go forward. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, why do you want me to back up? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so any other tips for our dressage tests? I think I, I always, this is what I always do with my students. When you're learning a new test, read the test, look at the pictures, get familiarized with it. And then what I do is I work my way through the test. So we work on the first movement, get that right, get that in your head, get that in your muscle memory. Then you go on to the second movement. So you build it as you train it and learn it until you can run through the whole thing in one time. Mm -hmm. Piece by piece, break it down. Don't get intimidated by the test because it looks hard If you break it down into step-by-step, it comes much easier. And that's great, too, because then you won't be like, oh, well, I screwed that up, but I have to move on to this one. You can work on each one separately. Right, because you want to have a nice entryway. I mean, coming into the ring in that first halt is super important. That is the judge's first impression of you. So you want to make an entrance. You don't want to come in shuffling trot, defensive, and then kind of, to a halt you want to go in and say okay here's a halt yeah and if you have a horse that's nervous about that then the more times you train that over and over again is the better right because then you're giving them a job to do so even if there are scary flowers corn husks judges boxes if the horse understands your language and you train them they they have a job to do And when you go into that ring, you're saying, okay, I want you to trot up forward. Okay, we're getting ready for the halt. We're going to halt now. The horse is paying attention to you, not to the 28 million other things around it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Okay, Katie, that's awesome. So where can everybody find you? 
Uh, they can find us on Facebook at Miranda Orchidi. And then again, on our website, which, yeah, Megan Benj needs to work on some, <laughs> at TremontFarm.com. She's yeah, very busy because she's, she's such a superstar now. I know. I am like so proud. We have to get Megan to come on again, or she probably won't come on. She's probably going to go on the dressage radio show instead of driving because she's a fancy dressage rider now. I know we should still drive her on the dragon, the driving too. She's a driving champion also. Yeah. So, okay, Katie. Well, thank you so much. And you can also get the ADS dressage test at the new ADS website at American driving society.org. Great show. Fascinating stuff. I got to pick the veterinarian's brain and make the show go long. It's probably about two hours long now, but thanks for tuning in and, you can find links to today's guests and topics at horsesinthemorning.com. Just look for the episode that happened on September 28th, 2020. You can follow us on Facebook if you haven't done so already. You should do that by searching for Horses in the Morning. Our handle on other social media pro- platforms, that would be Twitter, is Horse Radio. And you can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And if you missed a live show, you can still listen to the recorded version on our website, our affiliate websites, or on iTunes. You never need to miss an episode. And thanks to our sponsors, ProStride, the American Driving Society, Daily Dose Equine, and Hot Hoof at drwendying.com. <laughs>